Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We hope the Ringer can provide you entertainment and companionship during this time. So as always, feel free to check out theringer.com, where we're still covering the latest in sports, pop culture, tech, and media. And the Ringer's YouTube channel can provide endless amounts of entertainment. You can find that at youtube.com slash theringer. By the hungry homies. I am your hungry host, Joe House. We are all stuck at home together, my taste buds. We're trying to do the right thing with social distancing, with stay at home. What it means is we're cooking for ourselves, we're cooking for our families, also ordering in a little bit to the extent that we have that option. I reached out to our beloved friend here at House of Carbs, Adam Rappaport last week just to find out what it is that he's doing for himself and his own family in the way of of groceries, in the way of planning out meals in this uh, moment of unexpected extra time to prepare food for for each other and and sort of plan things out. Um, And Adam uh, and Bon Appetit both have lots of great ideas, great suggestions, as you would expect. So Adam agreed to come on. Here we are today. Let's get in that belly with Adam Rappaport. All right, Taste Buds. You know this guest of ours, Adam Rappaport, editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine. Rappo, you and I were exchanging notes last week about you know, doing a pod, we wanted to provide a kind of public service out there to all our taste buds, all our hungry homies that are, that are at home doing the appropriate thing, uh, under the guidelines provided by our local and state and federal government in terms of social distancing. And a whole bunch of us are now all of a sudden home cooks on a much more frequent basis with more time than we'd previously expected or anticipated. Um, and so I, I reached out and you were, you said, yeah, I have some thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even since the original exchanging of notes last week, uh, you and the good folks at Bon Appetit have been coming up with all kinds of rich concepts uh, and ideas and and guidelines and, you know, sensitive direction. I want to start with your um, newsletter post that went up, it arrived in my email last night, which, you know, has the tagline, cook the food that makes you feel good. Because that, to me, really is a helpful, vital kind of reminder about you know, the, the place that we're in the physical space that we're in and, and, you know, the challenge that we're all sort of con- confronted by. Um, and you mentioned in the newsletter how, you know, you yourself in terms of, of with your own family have been cooking some, some things, you know, the, the right away you're cooking f- food that I would sort of put in, in a category that, that, um, I characterize as indulgent, <laughs> But but now you know we we have to cook 
in ways that make us feel sustained, um, but also, you know, able to to perform in the new world that we're living in. Uh, so w- w- what are you looking at in terms of, of cooking the food that makes you feel good? Yeah, I think, you know, week one, as I guess we can call it, when we all sort of realize we're going to sort of lock down ourselves for quite a while, perhaps. Last week was interesting that I think a lot of us were kind of adrenalized, like, like, all right, let's let's be positive about this. Let's lean into it. It's almost like when there's a blizzard coming and you start cooking a lot of food and like I'm double batching bolognese recipes. Uh, my wife's making chocolate chip cookies with our son. By the end of the day, you're like, man, I need a cocktail. And by the end of the week, I was like, man, I cannot, I got to like dial it down a little bit because it was like big dinners every night. Okay, having drinks. It was all about home cooking three meals a day. And at some point I realized like, okay, yeah, like let's keep cooking, but let's at least be a bit more sensible about what we're cooking. Um, then we have a columnist, Christina Che, who she started this hashtag gentle foods. Um, and I was like, what the heck, what does gentle foods mean? I was like, I like the sound of it. I don't quite know what it means, but I'm intrigued. And, uh, Che was saying, oh, it's like food. That's like a blanket. It just makes you feel good. And I guess you could kind of describe it as healthy comfort food, if that makes sense. And Che is someone who's a, you know, she's a, an avid eater, but just making things like, like yesterday for lunch, I made a lentil salad and lentils are like the easiest things in the world to make. You just boil it in salted water. I threw in some chopped up uh, celery, some carrots that I simmered in the water with them, some herbs. And I just had two like kind of nine minute hard boiled eggs. So a little bit more than a, a, a ramen egg, but not like that chalky yolk, little vinaigrette. And it was very satisfying, but it's not like knock you on your ass cooking. That's exactly why I thought this was the right way to kind of frame this conversation you and I are going to have is because the impulse that you described at the outset of like, okay, this is a food challenge that's in front of us. And we have, you know, now this opportunity time-wise where you, you don't feel like you have to rush. And so... The inclination is to be a bit more indulgent, um, just in terms of, of, you know, heavier kinds of, of meals. You can take the time um, to let things braise and stew. And, you I know, also, I think there was also in this sort of day and age of social media, everything. I don't want to say it was showing off, but there was a certain camaraderie among everyone that everyone wanted to share what they were making and talk about it. And you wanted to sort of put your best foot forward cooking wise at every dinner you made had to be some sort of statement that we're all sharing together. And let's, let's make this as delicious and palatable as possible. This whole ordeal we're in right now. Um, and I said, it was fun. Um, I just, I just don't think it's sustainable. So again, like right now being a little bit more sensitive, um, and a little bit more balanced and you know, we'll get there. And, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy a cocktail at the end of the day, right today, but I'm just sort of being a little bit more sensible and yeah, whether that's making a batch of beans and you can make the beans without the ham hock, you can do things that uh, are satisfying without being punishing in that sort of rich bistro, you know, bottle of red wine, steak frites sort of way. And, and to everybody's credit, um, the sense of community that emerged as everybody in in that sort of you know food vertical, which is all of us, but really people you know folks that that like to traffic in sharing pictures and sharing recipes and having 
ongoing social media conversations about uh, cooking, um, rightfully, you know, jumped in with with gusto. I mean, you you mentioned uh, after you put up the the bolognese recipe, your boy Dave Grohl, you know, giving you a, a seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> step by step, you know, string of texts with pictures and information about all everything that he had going, you know, his version of, of the bolognese. But that's not sustainable. That's not every day. That's not how we're going to be able to feed ourselves and feed our families daily. Um, so there needs to be s- some kind of balance. And we're this is exactly what you would expect in in week two, right? It's it is it is a balance kind of uh, uh, yeah. I would, I, I would, I would say we're coming back to earth a little bit and, um, you know, and we've posted a, a ton of service content because the way I look at it, Bon Appetit right now, like our sort of mission is twofold. One, on one hand, we need to provide the service and the recipes that home cooks need. And right now we are all home cooks. Um, so that's a lot of these slideshows, like, you know, I, my favorite one we did last week was 89 recipes with five ingredients or fewer dash seriously. Um, I, I, I love, I'm a simple cook at heart when I'm at home. And, and these are, re- these are kind of the recipes I love best. Uh, we provide a lot of cooking advice, um, many other slideshows. And then the other side of that is not only do people need cooking inspiration and advice, but we all need company right now. We all need companionship. And if you follow Bon Appetit on YouTube and you see all our test kitchen editors, Andy and Molly and Sola and Chris and Carl and everybody, um, and these people feel like friends to you. And we have five and a half million YouTube subscribers and Claire and Brad and everything. It's important that those guys are still popping up on your YouTube feed and our Bon Appetit Instagram feed. And and right, what we're going to start doing, uh, which we actually started this week, which will show up at the end of this week, is all the test kitchen editors now have iPhone 11s with professional grade microphones and tripods, and they're going to be recording all of their own, what were test kitchen videos now at home in their own apartments. And I think that's going to be really interesting because you'll still see those same familiar faces, but now you're going to meet their pets. You Maybe you'll meet a fiance or a husband or a wife. You're going to meet roommates. Uh, and there'll be this whole sort of at a uh, universe of ancillary characters sort of populating uh, the Bon Appetit uh, cinematic universe. And I also find particularly appealing as you describe that, seeing these folks in their native kitchens, right? You're, they're not in professional grade, unlimited resource, perfectly calibrated Bon Appetit test kitchen. They're at home. Like the rest of us. With, with I, well, I, yeah. So I think that makes it, I mean, they're already relatable as is in terms of how we like to talk to each other at work and talk to the camera. It's very sort of unfiltered. But yeah, these are people in their own kitchens. And I think one thing the, the viewer will be somewhat surprised by, uh, you know, yeah, New York kitchens can be small, you know? Like, right. Are like, That's what I'm getting at. People are like, I thought you were a famous like uh, video star. And you that's your apartment? What? Um, you know, I think like some of them, like Carla, who adds like, you know, she's like a grown up with like a husband and kids, and she's got a nice place in Brooklyn. But a lot of the editors, yeah, you live in small apartments in New York, and you don't have the big kitchen islands and everything. Um, you kind of make do with what you have, and I think that's gonna be fun. And I guess again, getting to meet the pets and the roommates and everything is going to be a lot of fun. But also I think what will be inherently successful is that if you look at YouTube as a platform, I mean, YouTube 
its DNA are home is home videos. It started with people just filming, you know, anything from cooking videos to cats to whatever at home. The fact that our editors are going back to their homes is sort of part and parcel with what YouTube has always been. And I'm especially excited to see, you know, a big part of of the success of the Bon Appetit across the board. I'm going to call them shows because I'm old. So everything yeah. to me is a TV show, including Don't YouTube. Worry, our, our, uh, our business side people and their advertising clients would love it if you call them shows. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good. I'm glad I'm, I'm on mission. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, you guys always sprinkle in something about the optimal tools, right? They're, mm, you know, yeah. the the widow ladle and the yeah, yeah, are, yeah. I'm like all, all those. Uh, did I botch it? The that, spatulas and spider, you know, what, I want to see what, what folks have in, in their kitchens, whether, whether yeah. they're, you could really put the tools where their mouths are. You know, I think, yeah, I think you'll, you'll find that a lot of the editors are very much in lockstep and will probably have a lot of these same tools, whether it's a spider, which are those little wicker baskets, sort of basket sort of ladles like you see in Chinese restaurants. Um, you see a lot of cast iron skillets. Uh, one thing that's going to be fun is that Priya Krishna, um, who's one of our contributing writers and one of our video personalities, um, she's actually in Dallas. She went home to visit her parents and is basically <laughs> stuck there. So she's now living in her high school bedroom uh, and cooking every day with her mom and dad, um, Indian vegetarian food primarily. And her dad's a complete character and he's popping in and out of the videos. And so you're going to get to see her mom's kitchen. And that'll be like the one classic American, like suburban style kitchen you'll see on the BA feed in these coming weeks as you, as you see all the editors at home. I'm psyched for it. I want to talk a little bit about um, what you have been eating and how you've been going about getting ingredients because, you know, just the basic logistics of feeding ourselves now is 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 fraught. Yeah. And I also want to hear a little bit about, you know, whether you've been able to sprinkle in some food delivery as well, because, you know, that this is the the one of the tensions that I've been dealing with. And this is all brand new is like, how do I support the local restaurants, the independent restaurants here in Washington, D.C., all of whom have been shut down you know, for, for going on over a week now. Um, but a lot of them doing delivery and, and, um, pick up, you know, safe, uh, social distancing pickup kind of mechanisms, balancing that with the sort of instinct to cook, to retrench, to be with my family, to cook for my family, that kind of tension. So let's, let's first talk about, um, what you've been cooking and, and how you're going about ingredients. Yeah. Um, so obviously trying to quote, hashtag stay home, uh, not go out a lot. You know, we definitely stocked up in terms of like fresh vegetables. I think that's the big challenge, you know, cause like you can buy a lot of bags of beans and pasta and cheeses. And I, we've got a, like a chest freezer packed with like really great meat from uh, Dixon's farm stand meats and Chelsea market bought a bunch and sort of vacuum sealed them. Uh, so we're pretty good for a while, like on the protein front. Um, so then the question becomes when you go to the market for vegetables, like I try to think about like, well, what are those vegetables that can last? So like bought a bunch of fennel, which I love to roast. It gets all caramelized and sweet, just like I'll quarter it, throw it on a sheet tray, olive oil, salt, 400 degree oven. And it's like a caramelized onion with that slightly anise sort of flavored licorice uh, scent, but love that. 
Uh, I'll buy carrots. I also love to roast carrots um, just with some olive oil, maybe some cumin, or maybe hit it with some Middle Eastern spices like a zatar spice blend and whatnot, a little dollop of yogurt. Love to do that. And cabbage. I'll also buy a couple of heads of cabbage. And I can just leave those, like, if you have a cool basement or something, potatoes, sweet potatoes. My wife and I are eating a lot of sweet potatoes right now. You can kind of keep them all down there at a, that quote unquote cellar temperature and they should last a decent amount of time. And then if you do get produce that has a shorter shelf life, we'll make sure that, that that's the produce you cook first. So like we got, I got some kale the other night and kale after a couple of days gets kind of limp and almost soggy. So I'm like, all right, I'm making that tonight. And even if you get like extra kale, it's better to cook it off and then put that into a Tupperware container in the fridge and save the cooked stuff for tomorrow night's dinner and whatnot. Um, so yeah, be smart about what you cook when make sure you get rid of all the perishable stuff first. Same thing in your refrigerator, be strategic about what you're eating when, and sort of let the stuff that can last back of the shelves the stuff that has a shorter shelf life front of the shelves and always be sort of cycling that stuff out. And how about eating out? Well, <laughs> well, so we are actually, I'm so right now I'm out on the North Fork of Long Island and there's not much in the way of, of restaurants. There's uh, one place, the Halyard, which is a motel up the block from us at the sound view. And they're doing some curbside pickup, which I know is definitely more of a thing in other cities. And it's, it's really hard to that whole notion of like, you know, restaurants are really struggling right now. Uh, there's a big, op-ed in the New York times today by Andrew Carmelini and Tom Clicchio and others calling attention to, you know, 10 million out of work restaurant workers and a real need for stimulus support from the government um, to step in and save these restaurants. And you're talking about, as we've all, anyone in the food world knows, like, you know, a lot of these restaurants very well might not come back and, and there's just, you know, that's, that's a whole other podcast, but it's, you know, it's really dire. Uh, so if you can support them, try to, uh, there's, a, there was an interesting piece um, on serious eats by Kenji Lopez, uh, who's a very sort of acclaimed writer and does a lot of food research and is very thoughtful uh, about. Yeah, we, we, he's a uh, HOC uh, guest. In fact, okay, I love well, the, it, the food lab is on my dining room table right now. His cookbook. Okay, yeah. So he's you know, yeah he's OG and he yeah he's great and, and super thoughtful and knowledgeable about how he approaches food. But did a good piece um, this past week on food delivery and pickup and, you know, coronavirus and what's transferable and what's not. And like, I'm definitely not a food scientist or a scientist or a doctor. So I'm not, I don't want to talk too much, but the, the notion about how the coronavirus is, um, you know, what's, what's contagious, what's not in surfaces and food being, uh, interesting in that it's doesn't, it's not usually what, um, sort of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? It's not usually maybe a an conduit. Set. Yeah, it's, it, food is not really usually a conduit uh, from one person to another. Um, it's partly because it's your uh, GI tract is not how it's uh, commuted. It's more via your lungs and stuff. Anyway, so I highly recommend reading that piece um, in terms of food safety uh, right now with coronavirus. It's definitely uh, a very edifying. Yeah, I will say in my own experience so far – my inclination, my family's inclination, we have ordered less than 50% of our meals. But when we order, we order a lot because, yeah. you know, we want to do our part to support the restaurants, the local restaurants that we love that are going to the effort of, you know, doing takeout delivery. 
and keeping their folks employed and keeping those she- uh, kitchens up and, and running. And so there have been, you know, that's that's essentially like an effective way for us to be covering the three meal a day deal. And then the, the thing that I've been doing a lot of in terms of our own cooking, it's been very protein oriented. And I don't know if that's because it's the spring. It's because it's what's in my fridge, because it's what my nine-year-old craves. We've been making bacon nearly every <laughs> single day. We've been making bacon sandwiches for our 12-year-old. Uh, I mean, bacon is one of those things that lasts a long time. You can buy the packs of it and just throw it in your fridge and like, it's not going to go bad. You know, like that's a, that's an interesting point. That, that's one of those things I recommend. Also, one comment about ordering out. I like that point that you're ordering enough for three meals to support the restaurant obviously makes it easier on yourself. I would just say on that note, always have an eye of ordering things that you know are going to age well and be good leftovers as opposed to things that don't necessarily last great in terms of the next day reheating, et cetera. Well, it's a, it's an outstanding point. And I, and on that note, I would say Indian food really stands up, really yeah. can, can take, you know, uh, some some time you can you can uh feel comfortable ordering an array of indian and, and a, lot, know, a like, lot of a lot of a lot of stewed foods a lot of sauces yes. and it, it, it reheats put it over gentle heat and that's a nice way to sort of reheat it absolutely right so i i want to uh, jump into one of the things that i've really uh, been enamored of in terms of Thank you for thank you for saying enamored of. That's the right way, right? Everyone always says enamored with, but isn't aren't we supposed to say enamored of? I mean, one English major to another. I think uh, we yeah. were using it correctly. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Old school English majors. The baking opportunity because I'm not a person that that ever really thinks about you know building baking into my my daily life. It's not yeah. it's not in in sync with the rhythm of yeah. of my eating or my living. <laughs> But I I like uh, very much from the the the, the project uh, baking cooking concept that you guys have going. Um, is it from healthyish? Uh, it's definitely not healthyish. No, <laughs> over on our uh, vertical, basically, which is at eatbasically.com. and this is our sort of uh, you know you love to cook. No, you love to eat. Now learn how to cook website. So potentially very instructional minded, very graphic. Uh, site uh, with simple but delicious recipes. And we started a thing a few weeks back called the Basically Guide to Better Baking. Uh, every week for 10 weeks, we send out another recipe every Sunday. Um, and it ha- every recipe has step-by-step videos of how exactly to make it, uh, each dish. Um, and it's fun. And we it's broken into three levels, one, two, and three. It, they get kind of progressively a little bit more involved. Um, but they're all pretty makeable. And they don't they're all also what I like, basically all 10 ingredients or less. Um, but we've got things like sour cream and onion biscuits, which are just that went up last week. And you make this biscuit dough with the chives in there and the onions and, and sour cream and you cut it up and they get all big and fluffy and crispy on the bottom. Uh, we've got some camo cream cheese, fudge brownies, and it's just a fun and the focaccia, which has gone bananas on the internet. Yes. So, so this is why I brought this entire conversation up. The focaccia yes. is on my mind. You have it's, my attention now. All right. Shocking. It's called shockingly easy. No need focaccia. Need with K N A E A D. Um, yeah. Go on to eatbasically.com. Look it up. 
just when you see the photo, you're like, oh my God, I have to make that. And it's that rumpled, dimpled surface, just shiny with olive oil and golden brown and glistening with flakes of sea salt. And it's, this thing is so good, so delicious. And yeah, you just need some yeast and water and it's, it's like, it's very easy. It's not like some complex sourdough that you're going to have a starter going for five days or anything. And it's a fun dough to make. It kind of comes to life and bubbles and percolates. And then you kind of get your hands in there and you dimple it up and you bake it off. And it's just the, the one problem is this, you make it and you just cannot stop eating it. And and we were joking about like, I, I was on a zoom call a moment, a moment ago with our editors and like, is there, has anyone talked about the Corona 15, like the freshman 15, like we are all going to be putting on some LBs over these coming weeks and months, just because, you know, yeah, we're eating a lot more carbs. We're not going to like sweet green for lunch and everything. And it's delicious. I'll say that. Well, they, and, and they, with the added challenge of exercise are there's, there is no gym to go to, you know, so they we're completely out of rhythm. Yeah. I mean, it's funny when you think about that, if you had that sort of like young professional lifestyle where you're literally getting your healthy, sweet green lunch, you're going to Equinox and that whole sort of world of people. And like, they're not doing either of those. You're at home and you've got a lot of pasta <laughs> and beans and like pork chops in the freezer. And it, and we are still in a little bit of a shoulder season, uh, at least on the East Coast. Spring is definitely coming up. Cherry trees are are out um, here in Washington D.C. They're in in full bloom. They're actually on the downside of the bloom now. But like we're having days still in the 40s. You wake up in the morning, it's still low 40s or high 30s. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm still in in sweaters and stuff. So some of that comfort food, you know, especially with the, the sort of uh, instincts that we talked about at the beginning of the chat where, you know, I'm home, I'm cooking, I have time, let's get indulgent with it. We have to do the thing um, <laughs> that we talked about that, that your colleague with the hashtag gentle foods. Yeah. It's okay to make that stuff, but you just don't want to make it seven days a week, you know, yeah. and like just try to achieve some sort of balance. But like, yeah, the focaccia, things like the focaccia, um, again, it's, it's a week by week sort of cooking class. The focaccia is amazing. We have this Earl Grey tea cake, which is like a loaf cake. It looks like a poppy seed cake, but it's actually flecks of Earl Grey tea that are sort of woven in there. Um, Let me ask about that one. The reason I, I was so intrigued by the focaccia is because it's dairy-free. No mm. egg, no milk, no butter. I mean, you can. You, there's butter, but um, there's a great butter substitute out there, Earth Balance. And, yeah. and so this is a, a project. The focaccia is a project that I can do with my nine-year-old. And he can be, he can get into it. He can put his hands into it. And I, I really thing. loved. It's very hands-on. It's fun yes, well, and I loved the description of how to how to get the dimples. It's like you're playing the piano. Yeah. I mean, what what's better than a nine-year-old pounding on on the dough? I mean, that it's it's going to be very appealing to him. Uh, I the, I added active yeast to my uh, grocery list for 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 the week whenever I make it to the store. What about the the so the Earl Grey loaf? It sounds well. Is am I calling it the right thing? Is it? It's called. It called? It's called. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a loaf cake, but it's called Earl Grey yogurt cake. Oh, so there okay. Is, so there is dairy in this one, right? Uh, but it's a for for those who can eat dairy, it's just super moist and delicious. Like I said, it looks like a poppy seed cake, but it's flecked with Earl Grey tea. There's some crystallized sugar on top. Um, I love a loaf cake just because. 
you just pour it in there you stick it in the, in the oven. You're, this isn't a layer cake. You're not frosting it. And it's just, you know, it's something you want to eat with your coffee or tea uh, in the morning for quote unquote breakfast. That's why I like the sound of it. The versatility, it, it doesn't have to be just breakfast. It seems like it could also be your, your late afternoon oh, yeah, absolutely. snack or even like a post dinner. A hundred percent. So that, that's a delicious one. Um, yeah. So it's just been, it's been a fun, like I'm not, typically a baker i guess i, I kind of like the more hands-on-ness of being at the at the stove you know um but this basically guide to better baking has definitely gotten me on board because you know all these things they've been making i want the earl gray tea loaf is, is amazing the uh, the camouflage brownies the the focaccia um and what i like about it if you go to the site um the site is very crisp and white and clean and just get into watch uh, these 10 like step-by-step videos of the dish being made overhead. It becomes far less intimidating. You're like, Oh, I can do that. I just got to pour in the yeast and stir it and then let it sit for five minutes. And I add the flour, like totally it's, it, it makes everything very makeable. And that also fits with, you know, this, the, the other kind of instinct that's going on right now in this stay at home mode, which is like to go ahead and indulge jumping into something a little bit, go down that rabbit hole, go ahead and, 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 you know, let yourself be immersed for half hour or so, uh, you know, in, in, in a, a video and then pulling the ingredients together and sort of mapping it out. Cause you know, we have that flexibility, that, that, that time now. I mean, that happened like a, a few weeks ago as, um, the, the approach of the coronavirus was starting to reach a, a boiling point and it, it, you know, this was before the NBA called it season, but it already that weekend, that Sunday was like, Oh man, this is not looking great. Um, and I just wanted to take my mind off it. And we have on Bon Appetit, we have this recipe called French onion beef noodle soup. It's kind of like a hybrid between a French onion soup and a Taiwanese beef noodle soup. So, um, I was like, all right, I need to do something for four hours that does not involve reading the front page of the New York times and freaking myself out. Uh, so it's like, you buy like three pounds of bone in short ribs, you buy five pounds of onions, um, and you cook down five pounds of onions. So it's this amazing jammy, tawny Brown mass of just like golden deliciousness. And then you sear the short ribs, take them out of the pot. And then you're just adding a bunch of like, star anise pods, ginger, cinnamon sticks, cloves, peppercorns, coriander, letting that all simmer, putting the, uh, the short ribs back in a lot of water. It kind of creates its own stock. And to that, you add all those amazing caramelized onions. So it's like, you've got this beef short rib fall apart, tender, you pull it off the bone with the caramelized onions. And then what I love now, one of the biggest things I think is so great in the last several years is being able to buy fresh ramen noodles, you know, like at places like whole foods where they've got them in the refrigerated or frozen sections. And you just boil up some ramen noodles and combine that with the onion beef noodle soup. And it is like the best dinner I've had like in a long time. And I made enough for like three days. Well, that okay, good. This is, (laughs) this is you, you, you went through it. I wanted to let you get all the way through did you say five pounds of onions? I did say five pounds of onions. All I would say, House, if you're on a computer right now, Google French onion beef noodle soup for Bon Appetit, and you're going to see the picture. 
And the first thing you're going to say to yourself is I'm making that like just that shredded rich beef. Those, those like caramel onions, the wavy noodles and some fresh scallions on top, but five pounds of onions. It's a lot of onions, but you're, it's shocking how much it cooks down. Like it's literally a mountain of onions in a big, like 12 inch, 14 inch skillet. And like half an hour later, it's like a fifth the size. But you, you mentioned with that quantity, that's not a one meal gig. That's, that's something that you will serve over the, the duration of the week, right? Well, it depends. It depends on how many people you are. It says about six to eight servings. So if it's eight servings, so, you know, this was for Simone and me, Marlon had like the broth with some ramen, but wasn't doing with the, the meat anyways. But it's definitely, if, it, if there's four people, it's probably two meals worth. Yeah. It's a lot of food. Well, so I, I wanted to make sure in the spirit of our public service inspiration with, with this show, one of the things that, um, you would expect uh, Bon Appetit to help with, give some, some guidance is the freezing, the stuff that you're uh, baking, that you're cooking. And so one of the, the, the items on here is how, how to freeze items that are on your, 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 your baking list and save them for, for upcoming adventures and, and celebrations. Yeah. I think, I mean, making the most of your freezer is really important at this time. And, um, one piece of advice I got from my colleague, Emil Stonic on this front, which I found really useful. And it's something I always struggled with when you are putting stuff in your freezer, keep a list, a literal list, like taped on the door or something of what's in the freezer. Because I think we've all been there where we have a lot of stuff piled in the freezer and they're all in these Tupperware containers and everything kind of freezes over and you literally forget what's in there. And like, like a year and a half later, you'll find that batch of like tomato sauce or beans that you would put in there. You're like, oh yeah, that. Because like out of sight, out of mind. So I think that's a really important thing. Um, and then to your point, like, well, how, what freezes well and, and how are you freezing it? I made as I was trying to get a little healthier this last week, I made, uh, some, I guess in the French terminology, fish on papillote. Wouldn't you take like a piece of fish? You ever do this and you get like the parchment paper or tin foil and you make the little packet. I think I've done it by accident. I'm okay. Not, so not anyways, I'm smart enough. Classic French technique. But what you can do is like, if you have parchment paper, I just use uh, aluminum foil and have it. So I, we got some really nice cod at the market out here. Slice it into like a six ounce portion, put it on the foil, add it thinly sliced ginger, garlic, salt. Um, what else did I throw in there? Um, oh, I had some cherry tomatoes I threw in there. A lot of olive oil, splash of white wine, and you seal it up in like a little pouch. And you put that in the tray in the oven, like at 400 degrees for about 18 minutes. And it sort of poaches and steams in its little uh, sort of sleeping bag in there and all those, like the, the aromatics of the ginger, the garlic, the peppercorns and everything start to blend tomatoes break down with the olive oil. The wine adds a little acidity and you open it up and there's this big cloud of like steam escapes. And it's such a delicious meal. Um, and it's, like I said, it's healthy ish. And that was amazing. And I served that with some cold cannon, which is because I needed something unhealthy, which is like a Irish, uh, mashed potatoes with leeks and, and scallions and lots of butter and cream. 
But this is a roundabout way of telling, saying my wife bought way too much cod, long story. So I was texting with my friend, William Lee, and I was like, well, what? And he loves on Papio salad. So I'm like, well, what do I, can I free? Like, should I freeze all? I'm not, I don't want to make two pounds of cod. So he's like, oh, you should totally freeze it in like six ounce portions. And he was saying wrap in a wrap in plastic wrap, a piece of cod, then wrap that in newspaper, then wrap it in more plastic wrap, and then put that in a little Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. Why all those layers? He says it kind of insulates it from the harshness of the freezer, the freezer burn, et cetera. Ah. As William said, he grew up in Chinatown in New York, ate a lot of fish growing up, and that's what his mom would do, and it always worked. And I was like, huh, interesting. So I, I followed his, his lead, but you know, we've all been there before where you kind of leave something in the freezer too long, it's all freezer burned and crystallized and stuff. Especially um, fish. And, that That's my downfall yeah, with fish. Yeah, and cod is a delicate-ish sort of fish. Um, I get, well, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I do think having, packing, wrapping your things well is important. If you have good glass, those thick glass sort of, I like those um, glass sort of resealable containers. We don't use word Tupperware, whatever we're supposed to say, are the ones that have like the plastic tops that like click on into place. Um, I find that those those work well. But yeah, I, I think it's always important to have a list of what's in your freezer. And then also if to take a Sharpie, especially if it's a, a Ziploc bag or something, or take a, a piece of masking tape and write what you put on there. So this is like pinto beans, March 25th, 2020, you know what I mean? Like date it and label it because there are going to be times six months from now where you're like, wait, what's this again? Uh, and, and things have been frozen for six months, all begin to look the same for whether it's beef stew or beans or whatever. In my freezer, the vast majority of my freezer is taken up with the uh, uh, barbecue of the month club that I belong to. No. <laughs> it's, it's sausages and briskets and, and pulled pork and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, and ice cream, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then, but the system that you're describing, especially if I'm able to look at a list that's going to stare me in the face, so that's not my, not my instinct, save things uh, and expect j- just meat. Meat is the only thing that I'll save. Like I, Wait, I can, have, I, can I can I interject on that front? Please, um, please help one, me. I, I have one more point because like I said, I, I've been bad with my freezer. I'm trying to get better. Another thing yeah. I learned is you, you need to freeze in portion sizes in which you were going to eat said item. So my wife and I, we made spaghetti and meatballs a few weeks back before this whole thing started. And, you know, someone made a a double batch or a big batch of of meatballs. So maybe we ate six of them at dinner. I was trying to go late between me, Smar and Among. They're decent sized meatballs. And so we had a good like eight to 10 left and not to throw Simone under the bus, but she froze them all in one big Tupperware container. And the thing is, like, we're, I'm not, we're not. So then you had to like defrost and heat up ten together. Where it's like, no, let's take those ten or eight and put them in batches of four. Like, what are the sizes that she and I are going to eat together? We don't need ten, but if we can do two batches of four, that's two meals right there. And you don't have to defrost and heat up just one big thing. Does that make sense? Of course, and and that's yeah. you know the kind of planning instinct that I do not have. So giving the, the guy, like I said, if you make a, bit, a batch of like awesome beans, like pinto beans with like some smoked ham or whatever in there, 
don't do just one giant like, quart container, freeze it in two pint containers instead. So that's two dinners right there instead of just over reheating and defrosting one one dinner and then having more leftovers, which you've already frozen. But it all goes hand in hand with exactly the moment that we're kind of confronted with and by, which is a little bit of time to cook. A lot of us not instinctual. I haven't been home cooking. You know, I, this is home cooking for for a person that's not used to really cooking at home. I cook like three and a half meals a week at home. And I know I cook for for us in the ordinary rhythm of life um, enough for that meal. And maybe there's a little leftover by accident. I never cook to quantity with the idea of preserving, of saving, mainly because of the time uh, uh, constraints, right? I'm not buying ingredients that are, are um, that, that I want to spend time with i i'm i'm mainly cooking for fuel right for, yeah, for sustenance. I, I, I i typically kind of cook for that night like and just because my schedule I, you know some nights i'm just exhausted by the time i get home other nights i'm going out um so when i'm making dinner i'm kind of making it for that night not with like days of schedule planned out of every dinner at home um but like you know simone right now is making bolognese as, as we chat. And I'm like, well, you might as well make a double batch because why not? It takes the same amount of time and now we can have it in the freezer and something like a bolognese freezes well. And that's so a week from now when we, when we want something delicious to eat, but we don't have three hours or two hours or we're just tired. Like, Oh yeah, let's just defrost the bolognese. We'll make that perfect. Great. Well, and, and I think this next thing that I want to make sure we cover um, goes hand in hand with that, which is the the guidance in 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 basically it came up. Uh, I think I think at the end of last week, we still need to have happy hour. Yes, yeah. It, it, even if it's virtual, and it's funny. I'm on a text chain when you get on those like text threads with like nine people, and you haven't seen your phone for like an hour, and you have all of a sudden you have seventy three texts, and you're like, oh Jesus. Um, but my wife had a big birthday this past year and a bunch of us went to Jamaica um, and we're still on a text thread together. So she's organizing a uh, virtual happy hour for 6 PM today, um, which is in about 50 minutes. So uh, I think we're going to try to sort of uh, reconstitute the Jamaican vibes with about 10 of us um, because I don't know. Yeah, man, I like, it's like this, these times are just so, I think what's so hard about, the past, um, 10 days, two weeks, uh, especially if you have kids, um, just the anxiety of it all and the uncertainty, the unknowing what's going on again, reading the, there are certain days where I just like, I can't, I just can't open the New York times.com just cause it's, it's just all the news is so bleak and uncertain. So you, you need, you gotta take the edge off somehow. Well, and, and even, even to further the point, the thing that I personally have, have found um, most affecting is not being able to see my pals, uh, on the, on the schedule and rhythm that I'm accustomed to. I, I am, if nothing else, Adam Rappaport, a social animal yeah, and yeah. I want to see my people. Right. Uh, and I, no, nothing, uh, do I look forward to more than a, than a meal with the, with some, some friends or a drink with one friend and that all that stuff is off the table. I want to hear what you guys have up your sleeve for your your, your ten way 
virtual happy hour. What's the tech and what's on the menu? Well, Simone is, she loves a dark and stormy probably more than anything. I mean, I think in my opinion, a dark and stormy is just like a one-way road to a, like a really bad hangover. <laughs> just like <laughs> just a just lot a, of sugar, a lot of sugar and a lot of alcohol. Um, so I'm always like, yeah, I'll get over here. Um, yeah, I was drinking red stripes. She was drinking dark and stormies, um, or get, you know, she also, she's like rum punch. I mean, anything sugary and, and, and alcoholy she gets into, um, they're also, I think we might have a little left over. Um, there are now dispensaries in Jamaica, if I'm allowed to talk about this on House of Carbs. Um, Bro, yes. So, so you can like literally just order up, you know, you get the, you get the menu with all the descriptions. Um, and there was one variety of, if there's any BC Boy fans out there or Carvel fans called Cookie Plus, which was especially just sort of easy, easy going. It's just, it's just like, it's that feeling of just like floating in the pool, you know, just like sure. a, you're on permanent pool floating. So I think we have a couple of those little like uh, plastic vials uh, that we brought back with us. Uh, so there might be some Cookie Plus. So I don't know, maybe there's some rum, maybe there's some Cookie Plus. Hopefully our 12 year old will be upstairs watching the office on his iPad. Otherwise that could be a problem. Well, how, how are you connecting? It's not just going to be by oh, text. So we're going to, we're going to do it on zoom. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Zoom is super easy. And that's how we, uh, you know, at, at work at Bon Appetit do all our meetings. And I think, I think all sort of workplaces in this sort of remote era are communicating and it's just super easy. And it's just like that you get that sort of Brady Bunch style grid and everyone can see each other. Uh, and everyone can talk and chime in. Um, and it's like, could not be easier to use. There we go. Well, I, I, uh, I appreciate at this, at this, you know, moment that we're going through that, you know, there's a lot of resources that you guys, uh, Bon Appetit have, uh, you know, taken some, some of the content that you've already sort of have underway and, and, pulled it together um to provide the 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 clear roadmap um for how to kind of navigate these uh uncertain next couple weeks next few weeks however long it's going to take to get the rona behind us um so the youtube channel is just you just type in bon appetit for youtube right (laughs) yes you sound like such an old guy Yes, yes. Just go to YouTube, Bon Appetit, whatever you'll find. Yeah, you can go, you can go to YouTube and search Bon Appetit, or you can just go to Google and do Bon Appetit YouTube, and it'll pop up. Um, and it's awesome, and it's amazing. And uh, I want to see how actually I'm going to go on right now. We have, if I may, the crazy thing is just how big that is now compared to the magazine. Um, you know, we have a million and a half, maybe, subscribers to the magazine. And right now to the YouTube channel, we're at 5.5 million subscribers. Yeah, it's like a network. I, 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 I do both. And you're talking about, you know, walk of life stuff. You just called me an old guy. It's true. <laughs> you want to know, I, I look at the magazine either early in the morning when I have, you know, other business to handle. That's about it. Uh, or if I'm looking for inspiration, quick inspiration, and but I'll, most of the time I'm I have a screen in front of me, so the the online version is helpful. I had to explain to Marlon, my 12 year old, uh, today as we were going to the park to throw the baseball around, um, that I'm actually not a boomer, even though he keeps calling me one. I'm like, well, you know what an actual boomer is? Like, yeah, yeah, I know, World War II, whatever, blah blah blah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, so just. Stop going. Yeah, yeah. I, I get where you're coming from, but yeah, so just be, just want to be technical with them, you know? Get, yeah, of get his course. Wording right. Yeah. 
Uh, what about the the Instagram handle? That that's the place where I catch what you're cooking. That's uh, yeah. So I'm at it's just at Rapoport. So R A P O P O R T. Um, and I think that's just one of those. I mean, I, I do a lot of food content on there, and it just it usually just sort of ebbs and flows with how busy I am work wise. You know, there's yeah, times where you're just slammed with work, you don't have time to post, and there's days where you're posting every little thing you do. Right. And the BA feed on Instagram is what? That's just at Bon Appetit. At Bon Appetit. Couldn't yeah. be easier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, buddy. Let's keep staying safe. Let's keep staying healthy. Let's keep cooking. We'll we'll take some pictures. And uh, of stuff that we have going, I, I haven't posted anything because I've been really just trying to figure out what the hell I want to eat and what, you know, the best things to feed the family. Um, but I'm, I'm inspired. I'm especially uh, intrigued by the focaccia. I really am going to do, tr- do try the focaccia. This. You will not regret it. And it's not hard to do. And it's just super fun to make. And you're like, wow, it's one of those things with so much fun about the focaccia. Once it comes out of the oven, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I made that. Well, that 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 definitely will be my experience because I've never really been a big baking person. So I'm I'm, I'm excited yeah. to give this a try. Adam Rappaport, thank you as always. You have to come on again. We'll keep w- working this out, bro. All right. I'll see you uh, on the other side. Thanks, my brother. Peace. Later. my culinary comrades as always huge thanks to adam rapport lots of resources for all of us to check out hopefully you got inspired by some of that conversation we at house of carbs are going to be putting up shows we're in a public service frame of mind my taste buds we want to make sure everybody is doing the best they can in terms of of eating at home cooking at home and we are going to be putting some stuff up on the Instagram at the House of Carbs to let you see what we're up to. And and there are a handful of shows we have in mind that uh, hopefully you will find interesting and helpful as we kind of just push forward and maintain these good, helpful safety protocols to keep ourselves all safe and healthy out there. Culinary comrades, let's all stay safe and healthy out there.